Hello and welcome to Babel Babble, a podcast about translation. I want to talk about literature and translation, translated fiction, translation theory and practice, and everything in between. This podcast is hosted by yours truly, Lucia. I am a translator and PhD candidate in translation studies here in the UK. This podcast series includes ramblings, reviews, interviews, or just random translation chat. Hello all. In this mini episode, I will talk a little bit more about my lockdown read. And coincidentally, these are all women in translation books. I won't go into great detail about them since I don't want to spoil them. So consider this more of a book haul than anything else. <laughs> um, these books are not in an order of preference or even in the order that I've read them. I list them at random. You will notice all these are from different countries and languages. I try to make a selection that doesn't repeat the country and language as far as uh, the source text goes. So the first one is Hotel Silence by Aldur Ava Olafsdottir, translated by Brian Fitzgibbon and published by Pushkin Press. In this short novel, the main character Jonas, whose mother is suffering from dementia, whose daughter is slipping through his fingers, while in the midst of a midlife crisis, decides to travel far away from Iceland to a war-ravaged country to end his life. But as he checks into hotel silence and gets to meet all these different people who are trying to build their lives back, dealing with um, trauma of, of the war, random tourists who come with very different ideas and goals as opposed to his, and as he starts helping the hotel staff fix things here and there, he starts seeing life in a different light. This was a quick, easy read. I cannot talk specifically about the translation part of it as I don't read Icelandic, and this will be a constant when um, I review translated fiction in this podcast. But I believe that mentioning the translator by name already helps, and acknowledging what they have done also helps making translation more visible. In any case, it reads fluently, um, whatever people mean by that. But since it is set in a different, unnamed, most probably fictitious country, it doesn't necessarily have a more Icelandic flavor that would need to be kept in translation. What I mean by that is that since the plot is not necessarily fixed in a specific culture, it doesn't seem to have many culture-specific items to be shown through the translation. It lends itself well to an international novel and pretty much does its job. I wouldn't say it was particularly remarkable, in, from my own taste, but I enjoyed reading it. Um, the second book is The Chili Bean Paste Clan by Yang Ge and translated from the Chinese by Nikki Harmon and published by Ballistia Press. I gotta say, I love the cover of this book. It absolutely drawn me to it. Um, I, it absolutely drawn me to it as it is very, um, how can I say, anatomical. <laughs> Do Google it and you'll see what I mean especially knowing that the book covers this family coming together for the 80th birthday of their matriarch, who is a powerhouse, and that they are in the business of making chili bean paste in a fictitious city in West China. The book is mostly narrated by this man-child, arrogant, like this, the son who is responsible for continuing the family business, a spoiled, very often annoying man who thinks the world owes him something, as we read through, we find out all his um, about all his sexcapades, his affairs, family secrets, betrayals, tensions in the family dynamics, and um, to be fair, the book does have a lot of local flavor to it. Food is constantly uh, referenced throughout the book, as well as local customs, 
of a modern Chinese metropolis and the lives of the rich and problematic uh, Duan Zhu family. I enjoyed the prose style, the very direct and rough narrative voice, and many of the quirks that localize this book in space and time and in the specific culture, though it does invite you into this new place and into the lives of these people. Like, it doesn't, like, leave you out of it. Like, you don't feel too alienated, but it makes you feel like you're reading something that's from a specific place in time, place, like, in, in this case, in West China. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I don't quite know how people who study Chinese or Chinese translation will see the book, but as a non-specialist in the source language and culture, and just a general fiction and translation reader, I appreciated the translation and what it accomplished. So this is my review, very short review of this book. Uh, this one, the third one, is one of my favorites this year so far, Tokyo Ueno Station by Yu Miri and translated by Morgan Giles, uh, published by the always fantastic Tilted Access Press. I found this book a while ago in a bookshop in London and it had been signed by both the author and the translator and I gotta say I love that. Whenever I have the chance I ask for the translator to sign my copy. Uh, this was a different reading experience for me. I was drawn to Yumiri because she's a Zainichi Korean, uh, which Zainichi writer, which means she is part of a group of writers who are Korean Japanese or ethnically Korean, but who write in Japanese. And since I'm interested in exophony, migrant writing, and minority world literatures, this sounded very interesting. The book offers uh, criticism of Japan's imperialism, of the way it treats its own citizens, of the way it wants to be seen to outsiders, but it does all of that very poetically, and I gotta say, I cried many times while reading it. The narrative is non-linear and follows various events in the life of the narrator. Um, whose life mirrors the life of the Japanese emperor, and this helps show the inequality in Japan society, but it goes back and forth between the personal and the collective. We follow the life of Kazu, a 60-something homeless man, and through his focus we come to understand why he got to this place in his life, while also following very important events in the history of Japan, like the 1964 Olympics, the tsunami, and the announcement of the 2020 Olympics and how they shape the character's life somehow. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not used to reading books that are narrated by a homeless character. So this was a very eye-opening experience uh, to give voice to someone who's very literally living in the margins of society. As far as the translation is concerned, again, as a non-specialist in Japanese, I feel it takes you through time and space in the history of Japan, again, mixing the private and the public, and it doesn't dumb the reader down. I think as a lot of the Tilted Access publications, they don't, um, you know they're reading a translation, it's very clear from also it, the name of the translator is in the cover, which is great, and you know that you're reading a translation and that doesn't affect your reading experience at all. Uh, I would highly recommend this one. Uh, the fourth book is uh, Kim Jin-yong, I'm sorry if I'm butchering um, uh, Korean, Sorry to all Korean speakers, or but Kim Yin Yong, born 1982 by Cho Nam Ju, translated by Jamie Chung, and published by Scribner UK. This one I found randomly in a bookstore shelf, and then later heard many things about it. I picked it up uh, because I am particularly interested in Korean literature and feminism, and also because I thought that the translator was an exophonic translator. 
and I am interviewing exophonic translators for my thesis. I haven't found out much about the translator, but I highly appreciated the book for how it highlighted the specific struggles of Korean women with society's uh, sexism. Um, in this book, the protagonist has lost her mind, and the novel goes back to several moments in chronological order in her life, explaining how the lifelong sexism she has endured contributed to her going crazy at the beginning of the novel. The prose is not particularly inventive, uh, in my opinion, but I appreciate the importance of this book by itself. Uh, we need to be extra wary of generalizations and of a West-East binary that sees these societies and, and their approach to feminism as backwards without more in-depth thinking and analysis of the context. But I guess this is a start. It is a very critical, at times feeling almost non-fictional account of sexism in modern Korean society. Um, I, I got curious to see what Korean specialists think about this. So this is an open invitation to anyone out there listening. If you want to engage with this, hit me up. Let's talk feminism and translated fiction. Um, and last, but certainly not least, is Disoriental by Nega Javadi, translated by Tina Cover and published by Europa, Europa Editions. Now, Tina was a guest in a previous episode, and I intend to invite her to talk to me again, this time specifically about this book uh, and her translation process. So I won't go into great detail here. This was a delight. I devoured this book, and I had to keep myself from reading it long into the night. Uh, as I usually re read before bed, this book often kept me awake, uh, defeating the purpose of a bedtime read. But uh, what a treat. Um... Yeah, this book follows the protagonist, Kimia Sadr's life in a non-linear narration that goes into detail about the story of her family from the Mandazaran Mountains and her great-great-grandfather to her life in Paris. I've learned a great deal about the history of Iran, which I am ashamed to say I knew next to nothing about, and the narrator, the author, knows that most probably her reader will also be quite ignorant of Iran's history, and more specifically the context around the revolution in the 60s and 70s. All of the family saga, the drama, the amazing storytelling of Uncle Number 2, and the fights between the many brothers reminded me of my Brazilian family. Uh, and it is crazy how people so far away can be so relatable. So yeah, this was uh, an amazing book to read. I would highly recommend to anyone, really. Um, but, well, these were my five, um, highlights of my Women in Translation lockdown reads, reads, I always, I, I never know if I'm pronouncing this word right, um, <laughs> but do, um, uh, tell me what, if you, if you, if you want, what books in translation have you read? Thank you for listening to Babel Babel. I hope you like it and I hope you come back for the next episode.